Hey everybody, it's Sam here. Welcome back to another episode of the cast. Hey, I just wanted to remind you, if you go to our church, we are collecting items for the Sanguine Van Christmas Drive. Um, They're going to be handing out hats, sleeping bags, mitts, scarves, coats, and socks to members of our community that are experiencing homelessness, especially right now as a lot of the overflow housing and shelters are not actually open yet. And so there's a huge need for that in our community. So we do encourage you, if you want to love and support our community, bring those in. Uh, You can talk to Abigail Mills for more information about that. I just want to remind everyone that the views and opinions expressed on this program are those of myself and Pastor Mike and may not necessarily represent the views of our church. With that being said, enjoy. Good evening, Mike. How are you doing? Good, Sam. How are you? I'm good. Um, just over at Luke and Sheldon's house right now, watching hockey. Sarah's here. We're trying to have a cat play date. The cats aren't really doing anything. They are uh, hiding from each other. That's that's cats for you. You yep. know the most so. you know friendly creatures that there are. <laughs> oh, I hear meowing. What's going on? Uh oh. They're fighting. That's what's <laughs> happening. They're probably fighting. Luke's trying to figure it out. Hopefully it's nothing serious. But um, <laughs> while they deal with that, um, Mike, you've been reading Divine Conspiracy. Are you finished it yet? I am not. That book guy. It is. You got to go slow. It is a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm on like chapter like nine. So like I'm almost done. Okay. But- um, I'm in the yeah I'm in the section where he's talking about how you actually train people to walk in the kingdom. So it's it's great stuff. Good a lot a lot to be thinking about. Yeah, I found the book like pretty enjoyable to read. Basically, the whole time I've been reading it, but the uh, chapter four mm-hmm. really blew my mind. Um, yes, it did. It uh, did blew your mind too. It, it it there was definitely a point where my eyes were full of tears. That's for sure. Wow. Yeah, it hit me. Um yeah, that's that's awesome. I um it just changed the way I think about the beatitudes entirely cuz that's what uh that's what the chapter largely deals with. Yes. Um I want I wanted to for our listeners read a section from the book and then have you talk about it a little bit more cuz yeah, for me it's just um revelatory and i feel like it might be for a lot of other people as well before i do that i'm just going to recap the beatitudes for everybody i know we know what they are but i just want to remind everyone what they actually say and specifically the ones recorded in matthew right which i think is important because there are some beatitudes in luke but the structure of what jesus does in luke is very significant in a different way than it is in matthew just to make sure everyone knows that Yep. So I'll be reading the ones from Matthew. So they are as follows. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So what Dallas Willard writes, I'm going to read a paragraph here from Divine Conspiracy in response to that. He says, No one is actually being told that they are better off for being poor for mourning, for being persecuted, and so on, or that the conditions listed are recommended ways to well-being before God or man. Nor are the Beatitudes indications of who will be on top after the revolution. They are explanations and illustrations drawn from the immediate setting of the present availability of the kingdom through personal relationship to Jesus. They single out cases that provide proof that in him, the rule of God from the heavens truly is available in life circumstances that are beyond all human hope. And I read that and that just made so much more sense to me. He, he says in the book, um, he, he was hearing about a mother who was coming to him after church um, and expressing relief because her son had like left the faith because he had read the Beatitudes and thought, oh, I have to be poor. I have to be, you know, I have to suffer. I have to be all these these things. And um, Dallas Willard says, no, they're actually not a set of rules. They're not an, an additional set of legalisms that you need to m- mimic and, and imitate. They are illustrations of the way that life in Jesus can bring hope to those situations, to those states of being. And that like, I, I am guilty of having seen them as like, a set of, you know, asp- aspirational goals for Christians rather mm. than illustrations of the goodness of God. Yeah, no, and what, and it gets down to the idea of what is the blessed life, right? Because that's what Jesus is essentially saying. Blessed are you, so you will have a blessed life if, and then he fills in the blank with all this different stuff. And it's easy, yes, first to read that as a, almost like a new Ten Commandments, right? Like a new, a new, a, a new tablet of, of life mm-hmm. um and, and and i think when you do that it has always puzzled me to be honest like some of that stuff has puzzled me like when especially the math the like the, the matthew one because in luke as i mentioned it's, there's something different where jesus in luke's account has woes attached and there's four yes. for four there's a parallel thing there's like a, a two kingdoms dynamic going on kind of exodus all over again um which the exodus themes do come up in matthew for sure uh but the way that um Dallas Willard kind of broke it down actually was it, it was transformative in in the area of how he I think compellingly makes the case that this is illustrative mm-hmm. not um, not like um, yeah not not it's not it's not statutes it's illustrations these are the kinds of things these are the kinds of people who can be blessed here um, the, 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 these are not the limitations and the boundaries. These are sort of describing who, as he says, would have been right in front of him, right? Like these people. And, and what's interesting to me is that ultimately 
the blessing is the kingdom. Yes. Right? Like that the kingdom has come, like Mark chapter one, repent, the kingdom of God is here, it's at hand, it's coming me, Jesus. Like that's his kind of big thing. The kingdom has come, God's doing a new thing, it's bursting forth, right? You, you and, and the thing is he doesn't he he doesn't ex, like to be poor in spirit is not a good thing, right? But he's saying that those who are blessed can be a poor in spirit person, right? Because in Matthew specifically, where it's poor in spirit, not just poverty, right? He's saying if you're not a righteous, good person mm-hmm. with no spiritual acumen, with no spiritual reputation, blessing is available to you, right? And, and, and the thing about that is it's this idea where it just kind of ruins all of our conceptions, again, of blessing. The blessing is that the kingdom of God is accessible to everyone because every one of those people on the list can trust in Jesus the same. Yeah. Right. And it begins to shift it. And what really hit me, and I'll be honest with this, it wasn't those ones. Those ones I kind of, I kind of got. Right. Yeah. Where it's like the pure in spirit, or, or I mean, I mean the the poor in spirit. We all know it's kind of grace. We we need that. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that tripped me up in the way that I it, it shifted was were were the positive ones. Right. Yes. Where yep. he he says basically he says like Jesus has just made a bunch of negative statements. Right. Poor in spirit, mourning, um, persecuted, rejected. Right. Yeah. And then there's these few kind of middle ones that are often get interpreted as positive things. Right. The pure in spirit, uh, the meek, things yes. like that. And the way he, I don't know the way he just explained it, but like why would Jesus kind of just all of a sudden change his tone? And yeah. move off from this illustrative of, of unexpected blessedness to, well, yeah, we expect the pure in heart to be blessed. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then he goes, well, actually, it's because the pure in heart are the Pharisees who want uh, so bad to be pure in heart yes. that, that, that they're actually, it's a negative thing, right? Or, mm-hmm. or things like that. Or it's, a, it's actually a corrective thing. And that's actually the one that, that, that really kind of like shifted for me. I was like, oh, like. I've always, because I've always prayed that for me, like, God, make me pure in heart so I can see you. So I'm literally doing the opposite thing of the thing of Jesus. God, make me good enough to see you. When the whole point of it is that those who desire so much to be good enough and can't do it are still blessed in the kingdom. Yeah. Like, like just, and it's the shifting of that and, and, and the meekness, right? That those who are trampled upon, the peacekeepers, right? Which we often quote, especially in our social justice leanings, yes. right? Yes. And he says, actually, no, those are the people who never want conflict who enter yep. in to kind of just be that like middle child, right? And he says like those people who just want to keep everyone even keeled, right? Who who never triumph or maybe never lose. Mm-hmm. You're blessed too if you're in the kingdom. Anybody yeah. and everybody can actually come into this, which is a different way of reading the the, the Beatitudes, right? And, and it's not the traditional way, whatever traditional way means, because a lot of times people treat them as this... Um, Kind of what, what what you mentioned, this almost rule thing or like a comparative thing mm-hmm. versus a like Jesus is doing this new covenant thing. And the yeah. reason why this is so important, and I don't know if you if you if you caught this or not, which this is what solidified it for me, hundred percent. It's because then right after this, after the, after the Beatitudes, right, he looks at this ragtag group of people, right, and says, "Oh, and you're the light of the world." Right, so let your good works shine before men. Right, so do yeah. good stuff. Like so, so the evidence of our blessedness is still good stuff going on. But then he says, right after that, right. So he says, like anybody can come. The kingdom is accessible. Anyone's invited. Like the Pharisees, 
to to the lowest of the spiritual low and it, all you come in and yeah. in, in, in this weird mess of humanity you are the light of god shining out and then and then the reason why i think it's so important because he says this and so don't mistake that i've come to abolish the law right yes right right after that why because he just said all these unlaw keepers yeah who 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 aren't holy yeah 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 are the light of the world mm-hmm. right so so his point according to dallas Woodard, which i think to me when i read it just makes so much sense right is jesus wouldn't have to had to say that if what he previously said wouldn't have led anybody to think that mm-hmm. right because this is a sermon right it's, it's not just blocks of text it, it's a, a yeah. thought out put together stream of consciousness right and and so when, when you see the order of that where it's like anybody's invited like i don't care who you are come and, and anyone who comes becomes the light of the world, demonstrating the goodness of our Father. Oh, but don't worry. I'm not saying holiness doesn't matter. I'm not saying the law doesn't matter. I'm actually coming to fulfill it and actually bring what God actually meant to happen. Mm-hmm. Because what you need to do is go beyond the righteousness of the Pharisees, which most Protestant people would, would read as, I got to be so holy that I can't measure up. Mm-hmm. Where he says, no, it's actually not about height. It's about depth. Your holiness has to go deeper than the Pharisees. It has to be not just an action, but a reaction. Not right. just a, a a behavior, but a belief system that shifts. And when, gotcha. and when you begin to see that pattern, like, man, obviously, I like talking about this. Yes. But, um, yeah, no, it totally just shifted that for me. And to be honest, the one that made me cry was the pure of heart one. Because in, in it, he kind of describes and almost makes like an invitation to each person. And just the way he was talking about like the desire to be holy and righteous and whatever never being enough and like he just like it's it's like jesus was just like you're in bro just chill yeah Yeah. and it just it shifted it right and that's grace right because that that's the idea of of the trusting Mm -hmm. blessed are those like you could sum it up blessed are those no matter their condition who trust in jesus yep right i think i think too like um i was watching one of dallas willard's lectures the other day um, just because I, I had never actually heard the man talk before, and I was just curious to, you know, see how he would succinctly summarize some of his theological views in a you know hour long lecture. Mm-hmm. Some of his lectures are a little dry, not gonna lie. Okay, live ones. The, the one I the one I watched, you know, I was just sitting playing Tetris while I listened to it, it was, <laughs> so it was good. Um, but keeping my mind engaged while mm-hmm. absorbing. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. But uh, what he said in that one was that people um like the evidence often of god's work in people's lives is when they something comes to pass through their life that by their own power they like by all accounts are not qualified to do or Mm. shouldn't have been able to do Mm. and and word i do i i do think that connects really beautifully with the beatitudes with his view on the beatitudes because Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in spite of the lack that, you know, the, the meek or the, the, the poor in spirit have, they still have fullness in Christ. And um, yeah, so I, I, I think when he, like, it, it just all works for me. It all, it all does connect in that way. Oh, hundred percent. Like even that, the way, the, the way that you just said that, I think is actually quite like, I think when people hear that, what they'll hear is like I achieved something great that I shouldn't have, mm-hmm. which maybe he had in mind. But when I hear that, my mind went to like, like basically like I should not have the quality of marriage that I have based yeah. on who I was. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. right? Like, like we're in a marriage series right now. And actually I'm talking about this. Um, so we're recording this on Saturday night. So the sermon I'm preaching tomorrow that I just went over, um, one of the things I'm making a point just quickly is that like, so kind of like this, that Jesus wants to heal the heart and we are spouses from the health of our soul. And I'm trying to just make the compelling case that like, I'm such a better husband when I'm submitted to Jesus and walking with him. And like, when I look back at the time of my life where like, you know, I was younger, a little more, you know, self-sufficient and things like that, or at least I thought I was more self-sufficient. Like the fact that I have a strong marriage now is like an act of pure grace. The fact that my wife still wants to be called my wife, <laughs> right? Like it's like all the stuff that God like truly has done to to this unqualified mess that wanted so much to be better than he yeah. was, but couldn't. It's like, yeah, like, like I shouldn't have a marriage like this. I, I shouldn't have half the things that I have, though, the, even, you know, being able to speak on a Sunday morning to, you know, 160 people like I like who am I for that yeah <laughs> right? like there's just a, there is this evidence of God's favor right mm-hmm. and but I want to make sure that we hear that that goes to the character like not necessarily to the achievement or the accomplishment but ultimately to the character of like my character without the love of God should not demand where I'm at right now in life which is the grace yeah it's always the grace I, I think it also, like hearing you say that now, it also connects to what you said at All In actually this past week on Thursday. Um, I, w- it was an awesome night, by the way. If you weren't there, uh, you missed out. Should have been there. But um, just you, how you're talking about how we're going to commit to showing up, you know, even if it doesn't feel mm-hmm. worth it, how we're always going to be there. And like, even if we can't see what's going on, the fact that, you know, we are submitting our work and our, our service to God, like we're making way for mm-hmm. grace to, to happen and actually come in and, and change people's lives. Like, you know, I, I don't, I don't know the full extent of, you know, what goes on on a Sunday morning of who gets affected and who gets impacted and, and reached. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I, I maybe will never see that. Um, but yeah, but it, we can trust that it's happening, um, through our, our feeble, broken, unqualified work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, making space for God to come in and do his work. So I think like this, this Beatitudes, just interpreting it through that lens does serve as such a beautiful reminder and, and, and piece of encouragement for the church even. Oh yeah. Like it, it is the, the humility of grace, right? Like it's, it's not us. It never has been, never will be. And, you know, for the church to recognize that like we, like we we are what we are by the grace of God at all times. We have to be. In the moment we sort of shift from that, we live in a competing value system than the kingdom. Yes. Right. And mm-hmm. and so yeah, like if I like eventually we hope to see fruit, obviously, and I think we are now. Like there's we, nothing oh, we're not seeing sure. it. Yeah. But like yeah, you you don't always understand the the kingdom impact that's going on underneath the surface, and then it feels like all of a sudden things just sprout up. And it's like oh crap! Like look look what God has done, and if we're the way I said it at, at like the year two, right, was that sometimes we, we can miss the miraculous moment because to us it's mundane. It's just always what we've done. And I think the danger of that is that we actually miss the grace more than anything else as we don't recognize the blessing of the access of the kingdom of God that works itself out in community. Um, and we just sit sit back and realize that 
no matter how big or small or whether one person gets saved or a hundred people get saved on a Sunday morning or, or no one does. That's the thing, right? But someone can get a better revelation of God. Yeah. Like, like mm-hmm. the thing is that we have, we have to be okay with the fact that there's like this work that we just said, this unassuming under the surface character based, you know, blessing eventually leaks out. Yeah. But maybe not right now. Right. Like, like, have I figured out how this impacts my full life? No, of course not. I'm trying to let Jesus do that. But yeah, it's going to take months and years in, in practice and discipline, right, to, to move me in that direction. So even if, like, imagine, why, like, why is it less of a win for a church? Hypothetically, obviously, I'm, this is a rhetorical question because we don't believe this, but, right, to have, like, zero people get saved, but one person understand the kingdom. Yes. Than it is to have uh, someone get saved. No, like, I, sure. I understand, right, like, of the whole nature of, like, salvation, end times, eternal things, like, I, we want to make hell skinny. We want to make it empty. Like that's the goal. Yes. Right. But as valuable is that great commission, right? Which is train them to walk in my ways, teach them all that I've taught. Yeah. And so we have, they're not in competition ever. Um, and the problem is like guys like me who tend to start churches are like all about the salvation numbers. Yeah. We're like, who got in today? Right. Yeah. It, it's exciting. It's ex- totally exciting. Well, and it's like you know, it's it feels like a mark of measurable, tangible success. But hundred percent. But like I, I mean, I just think about my own spiritual development over the last two years at our mm-hmm. church, and and how many people on our team have been with our church for a significant amount of time, and how much mm-hmm. growth yeah. has been allowed to take place in their life because they've been showing up every week and getting fed and serving and being a part of community and, and connect group and doing the disciplines and all that. Mm-hmm. And the fact mm-hmm. that we're, this is a place where people get taught how to do that and, and get to live it out. Like that, that is making a difference week after week, little by little in people's lives, regardless of, you know, surface level numbers, like number of people who put up their hand to be saved. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to even encourage you in that, Mike. Oh, 100%. And I think that's it's always a lesson that Jesus teaches us, right? Like, as pastors and church people, because even people who are listening to this from our church, right? We like, it's no secret. We want to expand and we want to raise people up and we want to like do this stuff. But it's like, all that is held under the grace of God to us. It's like, if, if you want to, Jesus, fine. If not, I'll take, I'll take the one guy starting to pray every day. Mm-hmm. Like I'll take that, right? And because eventually, what what happens to me? It's like it's like that one percent rule. If you can just get one percent better every day, then after you know a whole year, you're thirty seven times better than when you started. Yeah, right. Um, if like we can get just that one percent win in our church, right? The momentum begins to go, and the flywheel gets turning, and things start happening, right? And that's what we're trying to get to is is like this momentum of like like I've always envisioned a church in my head. And this is kind of crazy because it's not really the modern church, but like that there is like more people active in the like Monday to Saturday operations. Yeah. In our church mm. that sh- then show up on Sunday. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, like yeah. that's what I always wanted out of our church is like we, we have so much stuff going on in the sense of like discipleship and mission and and, and um, like gifting, like empowering gifting that like I'm disappointed because more people are out feeding the poor than hearing me preach. Yeah. Right. That more people are in connect groups yeah. than ultimately, you know, coming to hear, hear Mike. Now, 
like we said at All In, right? What has the church done for 2,000 years? We've gathered, we've preached, we've prayed, we've praised Jesus, we've done communion. Like, that is important. But it's like, how, how nuts would it be if there were, like, you know, more people in a connect group doing all that yeah. than actually came to church? Like, is it, I, and I'm not saying it's good or bad. I, this is just kind of thing I've always envisioned. It was just like, why, why wouldn't we have a church that, that, you know, just is so active that, now, again, you need people to gather. We are gathered people of God always. Yes. I don't know. I'm posting that out loud right now. That's, that that no, may that, not that's be, fair, but, but like, I actually, I heard right. about a podcast, another pastor say something similar um, a couple of weeks ago. He was saying that like to him, the real church is, is like the connect group in that stuff during the week, like that, that smaller gathering of people, people like going and living out their faith beyond Sunday morning. Like he's actually saying like, I'd rather you be at your connect group than at Sunday service. That's what, that's actually what he said, which is like I'd rather you be at both, but you know if you're going to be oh, at yeah. one, like being in yeah. connect group where it's so relational and well, just it's it's about understanding the purpose of them, and this gets yeah. into a bigger conversation, right? Where like for us, Sunday morning is very what like the language I used on Thursday night. If you were at all in, was it's doxological and it's missiological, right? It's worship and serving, um, and and it's not necessarily like intimate, right? It's not meant to be it's this is meant to be a bigger moment and that if you only have bigger moment church without smaller intimate community you you only have half the thing yes. or a third because you also need personal devotion yeah. small life community and gather god's people and so like you're you're you, it's like you're functioning on a third of your body it's it's yeah. not gonna work 100%. right you need you need it all uh but yeah but just like the passion of like people being so about the beatitudes and the grace of God that anybody like, could come to me that that the evidence and the overflow of that invitation ultimately comes that that happens all the time in our church just not always on Sunday morning mm-hmm. right like like the thing that I, that got challenged to me is like you know if the if our church gets trained by you know unconscious and like implicit messages and things like that that like you know Sunday morning is the day that you kind of like make the conversion happen right it's like you, you you get your friend to church and that's when they get converted yeah and they're not getting converted in the living room in the coffee shop mm-hmm. right then we actually aren't doing the 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 great commission like we love sundays for that but like if you're someone who's not being trained to be a disciple maker over coffee staring someone in the face and not in this more like anonymous group setting like there is a gap between what Jesus said and what we're doing then. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So maybe, and so I think that's maybe more my heart. And that is, this like, we should be doing the mission of God every single day. And like, if, if more people are engaging with the gifts that God's given them, the purpose God's given them, you know, Monday to Saturday, like that's a healthy church. Yep. Like, and that's what we want. Um, and that's, I, I don't even know how we got there after the grace of God, but it's all with the grace of God anyway. So here we are. That is a beautiful bow to put on. This talk about the Beatitudes, I think. Mike, it is 8.50 p.m. We have Sunday service tomorrow. Sunday service. <laughs> I've been listening to too much Kanye. Um, hey. Yeah. Jesus King. Jesus is King. You got a sermon to preach, Mike. I want you to be well rested for that. So I'm going <laughs> to sign off now. And um, I'm sure by the time people hear this podcast, it will have been an, an amazing Sunday. And um, yeah, that's that. Peace out, bro. Peace out, Mike. Take her easy.